gonna be just like senior year, except for funner. Hi everyone! So we have a special episode for you this week. Before we dive into the movie, we had the chance to chat with the incredible Demona Hoffman about her work as a dating coach, her take on the rom-com genre, and of course, the Julia Roberts classic that's this week's focus, My Best Friend's Wedding. Enjoy! Hey everyone, I'm Kendra. And I'm Resevas, and we're so excited to be chatting today with Demona Hoffman. Yes, about everything from her life as a dating coach to her take on My Best Friend's Wedding. Yes, welcome to Mona. So excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I get to talk about my favorite rom com. I get to talk to my favorite ladies from the rom com uh, room. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I know this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun. Let's jump right into it. I feel like obviously we have a lot of questions about you as a dating coach mm-hmm. because that is that is huge. And I know when we last spoke, you were talking a little bit about how you are a cynic when it comes to love. And I'm curious. Is being a dating coach kind of what brought you out of that mindset? And what is it about coaching people that fulfills you? Yes, I should clarify. I was a cynic. I think I said I am a cynic, but I was a cynic. I'm no longer a cynic. (laughs) I'm cautiously optimistic about love. No, I'm very optimistic about love, actually. And, oh, there's a rom-com for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. I will not be doing this all. But um, I really, as a dating coach, I've seen the ups and downs that people go through in their road to find love. And I've seen it. I've also lived it. Mm. And prior to meeting my husband, I swear to you, I didn't think this guy existed. In fact, for like the first six months to a year of dating, I used to tell him that I made him up and he didn't really exist. (laughs) Maybe I'd seen my best friend's wedding too many times. (laughs) (laughs) The ending there. But I just didn't know what was really possible for me because I I think I had been influenced by a lot of rom-coms and mm. a lot of love stories and a lot of fairy tales that were like, love's supposed to happen like this. And then when it doesn't happen the way that you envision in your mind, then that's when the disappointment and the frustration comes in. And so I've really made it my life's work actually to help people who are in that place that I once was and give them optimism, but also practicality of how they can design their roadmap to find a real relationship and not just one that they read about in stories. Absolutely. I love it. So did the passion for this work come from falling in love or did it come from like the trials and tribulations of your own dating life? It came from falling into this line of work, honestly, because I met my husband online. I was not intending to be a dating coach. I actually was a casting director for television and I I loved working in, yeah comedy, (laughs) romantic comedies. I did a lot of TV movies and I was teaching classes for actors and how to market themselves way before anyone was talking about personal branding, anything. Mm -hmm. This is like before social media, before anyone had a concept of like I as a person and presenting myself in a way that people are going to perceive me differently than I may feel internally. And so I was teaching actors how to pick headshots that would tell their story, that would stand out from a crowd. And at the same time, I was online dating. And you know how that story goes. Basically, the dating apps and the profile photos were the same thing that I would tell actors in how to stand out to someone that they wanted to meet. And so after I met my husband online, then people would come to me and say, well, how'd you meet that guy? He's pretty great. (laughs) Remember, I made him up. And they would say, well, show me how you did it. Like, what's your secret? 
And that's really when I realized what I had been doing the whole time was applying those techniques that I'd learned in work about personal branding to online dating. So initially I started just writing profiles for friends and for family. And then it wasn't until I started getting phone calls like I met someone, I'm getting married, I'm having a baby. And I was oh. like, wait, this is actually, this is a job. This is a skill set that yeah. I can share and help enhance people's lives. 100%. I love that. Yeah. Honestly, it feels like my dating profiles are always best when I get my friends to consult on them anyway, because they just know you through a different light. They see how you're presenting to the world more than like your internalized what ifs when you're building your profile. Completely. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, most profiles, when I read them, polish them, work with a client, the first like two sentences, usually I can just Scrap. I can just strike that because it's like all of our insecurities and all of our worries that we lead with. And I'm like, no, 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 lead with the thing that will attract that person. And you have to stand out right away. So just going back to my casting days, mm. I literally would get a stack of like hundreds of headshots for every role. And you needed not necessarily to be the most talented actor, you needed to market yourself in the right way for me to go through those pictures, just like swiping an app now. Mm -hmm. I would just go through those pictures like, oh, this person looks interesting. Then let me see what they're about. And that's really akin to the, the primary photo on your dating profile. It's that first photo that makes someone go, wait, I'm gonna stop scrolling for a second and see what is this person about? Yeah, right. absolutely. I feel like as someone who is chronically single, I get a lot of advice from people who met their significant others on dating apps being like, well, you can't look for it. And it's like, but dude, you were on a dating app. You're clearly a part of you was looking for it. <laughs> and I feel like there's just a lot of caveats when it comes to love. But like with that being said, I want to dig into your own personal love story. So I have heard your story on the podcast, The, the Moment, um, where you... And Seth will talk about like how you first met. But I'm curious, you guys have been together for a while. Your anniversary is coming up. Is there one single moment with your husband that you wish you could experience for the first time again? And what would it be? Oh, that's such a sweet question. Wow. The first moment I could experience again. Honestly, this is corny, but my wedding. Yeah. I, I, really, <laughs> I set the intention with my wedding as like, this is going to be the best day of my life. We now have two kids. And so I'm obligated to say the day they were born is the best day of my life. <laughs> but between us, between my us wedding, we <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, you know, there was mom. I said this to my daughter the other day. I was like, you know, there was mom and dad before there was you. And she's like, no, there wasn't. <laughs> That's right. There was Demona and Seth. We were our individual people. We weren't mom and dad. But I set the intention, and I know we're going to talk about weddings in a little bit. We'll be talking about weddings on my podcast, Dates and Mates. When I set the intention for the wedding, it was about the experience that I wanted myself, that I wanted to have, and the memory I was creating, and the experience of the people who attended the wedding. I was like, I want everybody to say, that was the most fun wedding I have ever been to. Mm. And I really feel like we achieved that. And I had to kick those. I had to kick those mofos out at the end of the night. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you're costing me money. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. You don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here. <laughs> right? Exactly. So that was just a really special moment. And just yeah. to know that 
it just unfolded so differently than any relationship I'd had previously. And it unfolded so differently than anything I had seen in the movies. I, I know you keep saying chronically single. You're chronically single. I can't wait, Kendra, for you to come in my program and for me to switch it all up. Yeah. But I just want to dispute what your friends are saying that it won't happen when you look for it. In my experience, and I've been coaching people on dating for over 15 years, mm-hmm. that is just patently false. And I feel like that is that is a rom-com belief. Like, and then it'll just magically happen. Yeah. I see that when people come to love, finding love with intentionality, which I actually mm-hmm. did before I met my husband, I did this whole dating plan for myself. Mm-hmm. When people approach it with intentionality, that's when things unfold differently. It's mm-hmm. not magic. It's strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel yeah. like people just say this stuff and they have no idea where it's coming from. But because it's been regurgitated so many times, they just think that that's that's the correct advice. And it's, it's not. <laughs> it really isn't. You two know where it's coming from. You know exactly where it's coming exactly. from. Right? And, exactly. Right. And it matters. It's like yeah. the media we consume matters. Exactly. Absolutely. And back to rom-coms, like we've discussed that you're not the biggest fan, but I do want to know more specifics, like your likes and dislikes of the genre. More of your dislikes, because I'm more curious about that. Yeah, me too. I'm just allergic to anything corny, sappy, romantic. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. I'm not I'm not a cynic about love. I'm just non-romantic. Like, I just don't like, in even you're in my life, I'm just like, oh, that just feels... Mm-hmm. My daughter would say, that's cringy. (laughs) Cringy. So I don't like that, but I like real moments. And I like that when films infuse a sense of of growth, I I believe that relationships are a mirror and your partner can illuminate your biggest flaws and also highlight your biggest strengths. And I love that in a movie when you can see the growth in someone through the people that they're relating to. Absolutely. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And leads me to uh, my next question. (laughs) I mean, obviously you're here because Mercedes and I love rom-coms. And as a dating coach, I'm sure that they impact your line of work a lot. And I'm just curious, if you had to pick one rom-com character that was most similar to you, who would it be? It's funny because I, I would have said Jules from my best friend's wedding. <laughs> I would have had a problem, Demoto. We would have had to have a conversation. <laughs> we are going to have a conversation. Um, I did relate. No, honestly, I don't know if you would classify this movie as a rom-com. I kind of do. I'm definitely Cher from Clueless because, yeah. right? She always was, even though she was in the mix, she was always a little bit on the outskirts. Like she never quite fit in with the other high school kids. That was definitely my experience. I always felt older. I always dated older guys. And I always was like, I'm with you, but I kind of never, you know, I have a very multicultural background and I've just been a little bit on the periphery of every community that I'm in, in a way. But mm-hmm. I feel like that vantage point allows me to live in many worlds, but also to kind of observe many worlds. And I feel like Cher does that. And I love that she is kind of playing matchmaker as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you classify yeah. that as a rom-com? Definitely, because it's based on Emma, the yeah. novel. So and that's a rom-com. So I totally think it's a rom-com. The Jane Austen one. Yeah. yeah. OK. I didn't know that. That is 
Mercedes teaches me something new every single week. I kid you not. I literally, she's like my textbook for everything. <laughs> oh my God. I love all of the like classic reboots. And then like 10 things I hate about you is oh actually um, Shakespeare. It's actually yeah. Taming of the Shrew, right? Yeah. 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 And it I just turned that. 25. The movie just turned 25 yesterday. So, oh and it's so major still, like people still love it. And I'm turning 25. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was squarely like, I remember 10 things I hate about you coming out, but I, I loved it. That's one thing I love about rom-coms. And by the way, we didn't mention my husband is actually a television writer. So he writes, he writes stories for a living. And, and we also are both fans of classical, you know, drama and classical writers as well. And so I love when a story can be reinvented for a new generation. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something in, in a lot of these foundational stories. I mean, I work a lot with my clients on like, let's take stock of what happened in prior generations, what stories and inputs are so under the surface of our consciousness, but are impacting our actions and relationships, just take notice of it and then figure out what can you apply to your life today? What mm -hmm. still fits and what might need to be rewritten? It's always yeah. time for a reboot, right? Oh, always. <laughs> As a dating coach, how often do rom-coms actually come up in your sessions? <laughs> Not specifically a lot, but... You know what comes up a lot, actually? Reality TV. Like, people Ooh. will be like, oh, I saw this on The Bachelor, Love is Blind. <laughs> I don't think we should be using Love is Blind for anything. I'm just going to say that. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I think it's, I love social experiment reality. I was going to say we shouldn't be using The Bachelor, but that's a whole no. other. <laughs> bachelor that... in Paradise. Nah. Oh my god! What about Love Island? Oh, F Boy Island. Uh, yeah, all that, all that is really doing a number on us. But it is fun. It is fun to watch and to get invested in the stories. I think that's ultimately what we're all searching for: a happy ending. If not for ourselves, for are the the stories that we're watching. Like we want to see, we want to see what happens. We want to see romance unfold. So mm -hmm. that's why we mm -hmm. keep we keep watching. So speaking of speaking of romance, um, I just I want to talk about my best friend's wedding for a second because that's what we're all here to discuss, right? Yeah. I feel like Mercedes and I have had this conversation before. You really like this movie, right, Mercedes? I love it. You love it. I yeah. cannot stand it personally. I think it's like it. <laughs> it then I picked crazy. I picked the right movie. Then that's perfect. you did. You did absolutely because I have a lot of thoughts, and so. We like to do this segment on our show, which you're familiar with, called Couples Therapy, where we offer dating advice for the couples in the movie just to, on how they can improve their relationship, which, of course, you as a dating coach are used to. And so I would love for us to just focus on Julia, Cameron Diaz's character, Maroney, Michael, Kim, Kimmy. I'm like trying to remember everyone's names. <laughs> Julia, Michael, and Kimmy. So Kimmy is played by Cameron Diaz. Michael is played by Derm Dermot Maroney. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Dermot. Yeah, got it. Dermot. 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 Yeah. And then Julia, obviously, is played by Julia Roberts. Uh, and so, well, Mercedes, I want to hear your thoughts first about what you have to... <laughs> I, what I love about this movie, and I mentioned this on your podcast, Simona, how it's the story of two cowards. And this is what happens when two people who are afraid to be vulnerable with each other. Dermot Mulroney's character is afraid of getting hurt again. 
by Julia Roberts's character, who's afraid of being vulnerable ever. So she really never lets her walls down. And that this is the product of that. So he goes with the safest option. I don't think he's really in love with Cameron Diaz, but he's going to go with her because he knows it's less pain than confessing his love to Julia Roberts and then it not translating back to him. So that's what I love about it. I also just love that it kind of puts all the cinematic fantasy of a rom-com into an almost like realistic way of like, okay, these this is what these antics would look like in real life. And they do not translate well and they're not going to go over well for you. And even if you're chasing somebody down through a city, it's not really going to work out for you if you're too late anyway. And that's what I love about it. Like, it's kind of just giving you a lesson on timing and you need to be honest. But I think maybe one of the things I didn't like about this movie is I would like it so much more if they made Kim a villain. If they made her unlikable or just some some tort, sort of Meredith Blake type character from The Parent Trap, right? Just but someone really unlikable. Julia and I, Roberts is supposed to be the villain. Like, she just I, hands down the villain. I know, but <laughs> it's hard for me to root for villains, right? Like, we, were, we just did an episode yeah. on Pitch Perfect. Uh, this week and we were talking about the main character Becca and how she's just like she's just such an unlikely protagonist and I feel like it's the same with Jules she's just an unlikely protagonist I'm not rooting for you to ruin someone's marriage especially if the other person is like super likable like Kimmy's really endearing you could tell a lot of her personality just comes from her being young and ignorant and kind of not knowing about the world but just just operating off of love like I just love like you know when you're in that age you're just like love is the only thing that you need and then you get older and you realize it's not necessarily the truth Mm -hmm. Demona I know you can speak on that and so I feel like I I can't it's hard for me when movies derive from that kind of classic formula, especially rom-coms, it's really hard for me to root for who the who the creators, the filmmakers want us to root for. And I just couldn't root for Jules because I was like, you had nine years, my dude. You had nine years to tell this man <laughs> that you loved him. And you were waiting until he he's happy and he's in a good place in his life and he's met an amazing woman to do it. And I just don't, I can't agree with that. <laughs> See, I, that's why I love the movie. Because I don't think there is a villain. And it is such an anti-rom-com because it is real. Like Mercedes was saying, like, Mm -hmm. that I could see a piece of myself in all of those characters. And she doesn't make the right choices. And that's what I love about it, that you see how those wrong choices play out for Jules. And I, I don't think that I don't think that Jules and Michael actually are in love. I don't think I don't think there was that risk of like, I'm actually in love with her because they would have gone together if they really had that connection. Mm-hmm. They had a friend connection. And just because of time, you're going to put a clock on it. That if you're still single by 28, <laughs> you're going to get married to this person that you don't have a romantic passion for and then you're going to convince yourself that you need to chase them down and break up their marriage because you weren't feeling it but you don't want to be left on the sidelines yeah so i mean that that just encapsulates like the whole my passion for, for it but like to kimmy who's kind of the i, I she's so she's actually so charming and likable this is the camera diaz character mm-hmm. And even in spite of all of Jules's antics, like she she can't lose. But when you step back and look at it, like she's about to give up her career, like she's in she's she's mm-hmm. was going for a successful career, I think, as an architect. And she's going to leave it all behind to support 
Michael, Michael. <laughs> and I was like, as a dating coach, first of all, just know she's 20. She's 20 years old. Exactly, yeah. I'm just like, girl, you're going to regret this later. Yeah. And for the other two, I think it's just like it's it wasn't right for them to be together. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Kimmy is the right, that Kimberly is the right choice either mm-hmm, for Michael. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a quote that Kimmy says where she says, he has you on a pedestal, but I'm on his arm. And I'm always curious because I don't actually know which is better, like being admired from afar or wondering if you settled for something that's not necessarily like a big love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in between, right? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I, do, I thank you for bringing that quote, though. I, I always love that quote, too. You should not be putting your partner on a pedestal. Yeah. And you like in a way I've I've said this to my husband, like both of us feel like we're the lucky ones, but I don't put him on a pedestal. I see him as human. And I think that's a really important element of relationships and something that a lot of rom-coms forget. Yeah, And that's definitely. why I love there's so much humanity. And these two delightfully flawed characters. Yeah, absolutely. I would say if I had to give advice for all three. So for Julia, I would just say be brave, be bold, but timing too, right? I I wish she would tap into, I wish she had sat down and analyzed her wants and her needs and her feelings before all of this happened. So as not to sabotage someone else's happy moment. For Michael, I feel like, He needs to make a list. I've always heard this from a very young age to make a list of the person that you want most in life. Like you're not necessarily like a dream person, but like your ideal person, because in relationships, what people tend to do is with the more that they date other people, the next person that they date, they just compare them to the person they were with before and not necessarily what they want. And they think because this person is better than who I was with before, they must be good for me. And I feel like Michael needs to sit down and make a list of exactly who he wants and go out and find that person. And then with Kimmy, I just feel like you are absolutely right, Demona. She's incredibly charming because of her age and because she's so ignorant. But also, too, like, she needs to make decisions as well. Like, what kind of life do you want to live? And who do you want to live with? Live it with? Who do you want to be? Because it's at the age of 20 that we start asking ourselves those things. As we, you know, we're, we're graduating from college and we're going out into the real world, we have to ask ourselves those hard questions. And I don't think you should be getting married until you have those tough conversations with yourself. Yeah, you're going to ask those questions again at 30 and you're going to ask them again at 40. (laughs) But that is actually that's great advice. And the next time I'm hiring a coach for my company, I'm going to bring you aboard because that's actually the foundation of all of my coaching programs. I start with mindset. Mindset is both who you are, what you bring to the table in a relationship and what you want and need and value in a partner. And when you have clarity on that, it shifts the whole the whole process of finding love. And then you're not second guessing because, mm-hmm. you know, this whole movie, Jules is second guessing her decision not to marry Michael for the last whatever, <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. yeah. You can have conviction in your choice. And it's funny because also I had in college, I had like a best friend that was kind of like my Michael. And when I tell you there was no physical attraction like I could look at him and be like he's an attractive guy but like he was my bestie yeah and there was there was nothing at all romantic on it like my mom loved him she was even like maybe you could marry him and I'm like (laughs) I'm not interested and so when I watched this movie I would think about him and think like 
there's no way that I would ever put that like, well, if I get to 28 and we're not married, that then he would become the right choice for me when he wasn't for the last 10 years. Yeah. 28 is so young, too. Every time I hear their deal for 28, I'm like, because usually hear that they're like, oh, when I'm 40 and if we're not married at 40, this will happen. But every time I watch it and I hear 28 again, I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is about 25 years ago. I was about to say 28 (laughs) was old back then because everyone was getting married (laughs) in the early 20s. So, like, (laughs) you were an old maid if you were 28 and not married. (laughs) Well, yeah, the, the age of marriage has actually been increasing dramatically. It was pretty static for many years, like up until the 1970s, it was pretty much the same. And Mm -hmm. every decade since then, especially in the last 10 years, the marriage age has jumped up at a really steady clip. And there's just so much in there to to unpack as to why. But I think it's millennials. That's why. (laughs) Well, I think dating apps is is a is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Not actually as most people would think, like negatively, I think it actually gave us the possibility of finding people who were beyond our social circle and better match for us and not just out of convenience, Jules and Michael, but but actually allowed us to go out into the world and find somebody. And sometimes that takes a little bit more time. But I also think it's correlated with, with feminism and correlated with women gaining more earning power and not having to just choose at 20 years old, the this mm-hmm. guy who had a, a, a reliable career, mm-hmm. even though apparently mm-hmm. Michael's career wasn't all that anyway. But we could carve our own path ourselves. And I do wonder if this movie was today. I don't think Kimmy would be giving up her architecture career to no, settle for Michael's career. And like, can they have both? Like, can Michael exactly support Kimmy on her mm-hmm. career and they can be a power couple? That's what we want in 2022. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, too, Devon, I don't know how much you incorporate love languages into your coaching, but if you had to kind of decide each character's love language, what would you say they are? OK, so recently, actually, on Dates and Mates, I just discovered that the love languages, they're not for me, the best language to use because it was was actually developed in the 80s based on Christian married couples. So the way that we we apply today, the, you know, the gifts and the acts of service isn't actually how they are originally studied or intended. So I just want to be careful (laughs) in assigning. I know there's been like a resurgence in love languages, but I've had a big epiphany and I'm starting to shift to a more modern framework for it. But what I love is that it does give us an understanding of how we give and receive love, which I think Mm -hmm. is something that uh, Mm -hmm. for a long time people weren't talking about. So wait, your original question is, what are their love languages? Yeah, I'm I'm curious (laughs) if you had to assign them a love language or like how they give love or how they receive love. How would you describe them? Yeah. See, I'm going to rewrite. I'm going to write new love languages. Let's do it. Let's do, do it. it. Yo, this is the Rob Carver. We could do whatever we want. Yeah, we do whatever in here. <laughs> in, thank you. In my mind, I, I think Jules is the attention seeking love language. You know, she really needs to feel seen and valued and i maybe maybe she's an acts of service person and i but i don't know i think she really like it was really important to her to like be chosen to be in the wedding and to to 
you know, to have that place of focus mm-hmm. for a lot of the movie. And gosh, for Michael, I think it's probably that he he also just he needs to be adored. So maybe maybe his is like a physical touch, but I think it's also an emotional adoration as well. Yeah. And for Kimmy, I think her love language, it, it has to be something more romantic. Like it's more the idea, I think, of Michael than it is the reality. So I just rewrote the love languages for you. Those are not those are not clinically studied or anything. The Demona Hoffa love languages. (laughs) (laughs) So we also like to talk about if the couple lasts for five years, but obviously there are two scenarios here, right? So if Jules and Michael do get together, do you think they last five years? And Michael and Kim, who actually did get married, do you see them lasting in five years? Okay, so is this in the context of 25 years ago when this <laughs> came out or in the context of today? I know. I know, because that changes a lot, huh? It does. Because I think in the time, I think Kimmy and Michael stayed together. Yeah. I think Kimmy popped out a couple kids within the first three years. She probably yeah. had two kids. And then she was like, I'm in it. And that's that was her choice. And that's how she chose to that's how she wanted to live her life. Yeah, that was the most important to her. And then at 40, then she realizes like, oh, my gosh, my architecture career. And then she goes back to school and then maybe. But, you know, in the in the short term, everything was all good. And, you know, her husband's all cute and all that. So she she was happy at the PTA meetings (laughs) because they're like, you have the cute (laughs) husband. You should see some of these some of some of these people that the other girls from college met, met and married. I think Jules, wait, the question is if Jules and Michael were to get to married instead? Yeah. Do you, oh, that would have lasted. No, no, no. That wouldn't have lasted five minutes. Yep. I don't even know. They would have had, yeah, they would have annulled it right away and been 100%. like, what are we doing? Because they weren't, they didn't have the attraction. That's such an important element. Mm-hmm. Like you can go down this list and be like, these are all the qualities I need. This is what I value. but. Mm-hmm the reason that I tell my clients to practice slow love and to just go through the process of being led by curiosity and getting to know someone is that as you get to know someone deeper, a deeper level of attraction should unfold. And they knew each other pretty darn well. And that level of attraction didn't develop, which means it wasn't right. It wasn't there. And, you know, Jules is a snake anyway. I guess she is the villain now that I'm talking. I think they're both the villain, though. I think he's also a villain. And yeah, I think they both have villainous qualities, which is what makes this movie so great. But I also, they have such a physical chemistry together, like the scene with the ring. where was so sensual. It's crazy. He takes the (laughs) ring off her finger with his mouth. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just thinking about it, I'm like, well, so much. So I think that also blurs their judgment a lot. So they perceive it as like way more than it is, even though they don't really know each other on any romantic level besides like one hookup, which really doesn't say much when it was 10 years ago. Sure doesn't. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Oh, all right, guys. I feel like just to wrap it up, let's talk about what are some aspects of the movie that make you a fan? Or do you have a memorable scene or something that has happened that you really like in the movie? I feel like I really like <laughs> Jules' friend, her gay best friend. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Yes. I was going to yeah. say, amazing. 
Um, anyone who anyone who is interested in musicals, that you are my person. So the fact that he just like belts out singing the song at dinner, I love that scene. <laughs> I love the scene at the end where he calls her on the phone, right? And then he's across the room and he's like, radiant with charisma. <laughs> and he's so dang cute. I was also like my other best friend, my other best friend wedding. We're always I musical person. We're always the gay friends. So. <laughs> he would totally be my friend. <laughs> Same. Love it. Mercedes, how about you? My favorite scene is when they're on the ferry together and you you see this moment and I'm like, this you're like, this is going to be the moment they're going to confess their love and they're just looking at each other and it's so intense or the edge of your seat and then silence nothing yep. happens they just don't let them they don't let themselves say anything and i'm like these are cowards these are two cowards who any ounce of care they have for each other just flood is just under like layers of fear 100 mm -hmm. percent. oh gosh it's a lot such a great movie i i love so it good. do we have we convinced you to maybe see it through a different prism I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes because I love you, Demona. I'm gonna say yes. I don't want you Convincing. to feel like your time Convincing. in the rom-com room was wasted. I I learned a lot. I did learn a lot, and I feel like my perception has, has changed. So thank you both. Like I'm always I'm always open to learning new things about love. <laughs> so Just a new perspective. Just yeah, a new perspective. <laughs> thank you. Well, Demona, thank you so much for joining us. We we're so happy to have you here. Always, I always have fun with you two. I. Wish you continued success with the rom-com room. And I hope you'll come back to Dates and Mates again. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Love it. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy to have you here. Hey, guys. I'm Kendra. Hi, I'm Mercedes. And this week, we're talking about one of the most iconic anti-heroines in My Best Friend's Wedding. My Best Friend's Wedding. I just always have to sing everything after you say it. Because <laughs> the way that you say it, it makes me want to sing. But of course. Before we jump in, listeners, we got to talk about our celebrity crush of the week. Mercedes, tell all of us, who are you crushing on this week? Oh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Nikesh Patel. He plays Tom Kapoor in the rom-com TV show Starstruck. You can watch it on HBO Max. It was created by Rose Montefeo. And I'm in love with him. It's a travesty because he's walking this earth in love with somebody else. And I'm just here. <laughs> Watching him. If you watched the remake of Four Weddings and a Funeral, he's in that too. He's he's just gorgeous. I okay. I love him. You said a bunch of words that I have no idea what what the what is what is Starstruck? Who is the cash? Who is yeah. Rose? Like okay, so give me like the premise of Starstruck. Did you watch all of it already? Yes, there's two okay. seasons out. There it's six episode seasons because it's like BBC. Um, but so it's she's just like a normal gal she's a new zealand girl living in london mm -hmm. and on new year's eve she meets this guy they go home together the morning after she finds out he's actually like she realizes that he's like an action movie star like big star and then the whole first season's a very big will they won't they and then the second season kind of turns into like what happens when they do like mm -hmm. become a like boyfriend and girlfriend. So it's cute. It's fun. It's like it it feeds it fuels all those fanfic needs, you know? All like celebrity normie needs. Could you imagine like waking up next morning and like the rock is sleeping next to you? <laughs> I mean, I think I would just be like, how did I get here? <laughs> the rock. <Yeah. laughs> That's so funny. Okay, well, like I said, listeners, you guys know this. Every single thing that you suggest to me, Mercedes, I watch. I do. I watched so the happy. second season of Bridgerton after you were like, it is amazing. 
And so that is my that is my crush of the week. Actually, I have a girl crush this week. And whenever Yay. I do a girl crush, it's mostly like I want to acknowledge women who I feel like are killing it, and that's why they're yeah. my girl crush of the week. But Simone Ashley, who oh plays gosh. Kate from Bridgerton, is my is my crush of the week. I just feel like first of all, this girl's absolutely stunning. She yeah, is perfect face, blindingly stunning. And I, when mm-hmm. I first saw her, I was like, she looks familiar, but I literally couldn't put my finger on it. And I remembered she plays the popular girl in Sex Ed, which I love that show. I haven't seen the third season yet, but I love, I love the show, and I've watched the first and second season multiple times. And I just feel like if Netflix likes you, like they like you. And so we're gonna be seeing a lot more of her, and I'm excited for that. I really do hope this is her big blow up moment. That like, okay, so for example, Daisy Edgar Jones just had this too. She killed it in Normal People. Now I'm seeing her every single trailer for a new movie. She is in it, and I want that for Simone Ashley. So. I love Simone. You I'm right there with you. She's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I'm adding Starstruck to my list. Got it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> All right, listeners, we're going to move right on into TLDR. We just like to recap the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. If you have not seen My Best Friend's Wedding, it is currently streaming on Netflix, I think until April 30th, actually. Mm-hmm. So you can watch it there. Okay, we're going we're gonna to dive right in because I got a lot of thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so Jules, played by the effortlessly beautiful Julia Roberts, and Michael, played by... The object of every one of my desires. <laughs> I stole that from Bridgerton. Dermot Maroney have been friends since college, even though they didn't start out that way. They were best friends, and then they were like friends with benefits for a month before Jules decided to just drop the benefits and just remain friends. So during dinner with her close friend, George, who's played by Rupert Everett, we learn Michael is getting married. Jules decides right then and there that she loves Michael and she's going to do whatever she can to win him over. And I feel like that just proves to be really difficult because when she arrives in Chicago and meets Michael's fiance, Kim, played by Cameron Diaz, she just so happens to be like the sweetest, most innocent and a little bit naive girl. And it's just so hard not to love her as an audience member. But of course, Jules manages not to love her. (laughs) She goes to great lengths throughout the entire film to try to sabotage their relationship from trying to pit Kim and Michael against each other to even sending a scrupulous email to try to thwart Michael's career. And she never sees his efforts even when she starts to get to know Kim's family and she's constantly challenged by George and questioned on her actions. Finally, Jules expresses her feelings and kisses Michael, which of course this wouldn't be, there wouldn't be any like drama in this rom-com if Kim didn't see it. Of course she sees it. (laughs) This leads to a wild chase across the entire city of Chicago, ending up in Union Station where Jules finally accepts Michael is actually in love with Kim, and after finally admitting defeat and having a big blowout with Kim, all is mended, and Michael and Kim finally get married with Jules' blessing. So this is a 1997 film written by Ronald Bass, who you may know from iconic films like Rain Man, uh, What Dreams May Come, and the cult classic How Stella Got Her Groove Back. (laughs) It's also directed by PJ Hogan, who also directed Peter Pan, shout out Jeremy Sumter, he was my childhood crush, and (laughs) Confessions of a Shopaholic. All right, Mercedes, you got a lot of interesting facts for me, and I'm excited to hear about them. I do. A lot of mine are revolving around the character of George. Mm. And yeah, he's Jules's editor, and he's just the best. Like, he wasn't even really supposed to be a major character originally, but after screen tests, the audience really was frustrated with Jules and mm-hmm. didn't understand her motives naturally. That's that was so me. valid. <laughs> and so they added George in more and he really acts as her conscience and grounds her throughout the movie and really calling her out, being honest, but also is really caring and supportive and ends the movie as like her comfort and support that she needs. Like truly mm-hmm. like her best friend love by the end. Yeah, exactly. I love it. 
I think it's I think it's cute. I do like the ending. Um, there's a quote in the end that's one of my favorites. But something I found really interesting was Drew Barrymore actually read for the role of Kim, but Julia mm-hmm. Roberts handpicked both Cameron Diaz and Dermot Maroney for this film. Can you imagine having so much power that you're like, nope, I want these people to pick ass, and then you just like make someone's career? That, that is would be amazing. That is power that I desire to have. And this is like <laughs> the first of many Julia Roberts Dermot Mulroney movies, and mm-hmm. they're besties. So like, I love seeing like they have such good on screen chemistry. It's brilliant. You know what blows my mind? All of these big people from the era, so like George Clooney, Brad Pitt. I was looking at how old they are. They're only in like their late fifties. Yeah, they started like, I, so young. Yeah, it's so crazy because I feel like in my 20s, because I'm about to, so my birthday isn't exactly a month. And I feel like <laughs> as I approach 30, that whole mindset of like, oh, you're so much older than me is like just dwindling. It's just it's just dwindling. <laughs> there comes an age where it all just kind of muddles together. Anyways, I say this because Dermot Maroney is only 58 and I'm like, hello. <laughs> so shoot your shot shoot your shot where you can um, okay did you also know that the original screenplay had a different ending so that ending we love with george was actually supposed to be john corbett who we know as aiden on sex in the city and my big freak big fat greek wedding mm-hmm. um he's supposed to ask jules to dance at the at the reception when she's sitting there heartbroken Mm-hmm. But people were so upset with that ending during the screen test because right, they were like, why is she getting off so easy? Like, she just had the craziest villainous time here. And now she's being rewarded with, like, a hottie. Yep. Not fair. <laughs> so then Hogan and Bass changed it to George, calling her on the phone and then, like, surprising her. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, the audience really melted for it. And I, I don't know. I always, like, cry at the end because I think it's so special. Oh, Yeah. yeah. That best friend love is very special. It's very, it's very, very sweet. Have you seen the movie Made of Honor? Yeah. Starring Patrick Dempsey and Michelle Monaghan? <laughs> yeah. So it's so funny because that film is meant to be a gender reverse of this film. <laughs> and I never put two and two together. I think it's because Hollywood recycles so many storylines that it just all becomes muddled. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was, it was intentionally supposed to be like the gender reverse of this film. And I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> I feel like Patrick Dempsey, like, can't be a villain, though. You know, like, it's harder for him. Like, he doesn't just have the juice. He needs to be, like, charming all the time and, like, sweet, you know? (laughs) He just, like, has this innocent look in his face, too, that just makes it really hard to not Exactly. You're like, okay. Yeah. Even in Valentine's Day, when he was kind of the villain, like, when we did our episode on Valentine's Day. Like, I still was like, hi. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You got anything else for me? Yeah, I have one more thing about Cameron Diaz. So I saw in the film's reunion with People Mag a few years ago, she said that the karaoke scene was so traumatizing for her that now she still, like, hates doing karaoke. It was actually, like, her fear up there. She was like, I was acting, but I was also feeling everything that Kimmy was feeling. And Dermot was, like, actually, like, the most supportive person on set that day. And, like, the way he's looking at her, was it was, like, a very raw, authentic moment for both of them, which is so... It adds so much to that. I love it. I want him to look at me that way. (laughs) That is so cool. All right, guys, we're going to move straight on into Time Capsule. Mercedes and I just like to recall what we were doing, where we were at the time this movie came out. And it's so funny because I don't remember when I first watched this movie, but I remember the first time I ever saw Julia Roberts. And I tell this story all the time because it essentially changed the course of my life. Oh, my gosh. Projection of my life. I know. That's so dramatic. I know, that's so dramatic, but, like, here's, here's the story. Okay. So it was around the time that this movie came out, 1997. I was, like, five-ish years old, four or five okay. years old. 
And I just remember watching, I've watched the Oscars every year since I was four. And this year was the very first year I did not watch the Oscars, like since I was wow. <laughs> essentially born. I know. But I remember seeing Julia Roberts in either a black or a dark colored dress on stage and just thinking she was the absolute most glamorous thing I've ever seen. And I want to do exactly what she's doing. And I decided right then and there that whatever she, whatever she did, because I didn't know her. I didn't have the like concept to understand yeah. what she was. I was like, I want to do whatever she does. And I think my parents were like, oh, yeah, she's, she's an actress. So that's when I immediately started taking acting classes. I, I did like all of the plays at my church. I did theater all through school. I did musical theater all through high school. Like I even I even went to modeling school for a little bit. Wow. And I and that's like what made me study film in college was just like my love for being in front of the camera. Because when I was thinking about what I wanted to major in college, I was like, OK, I know what goes on in front of the camera. I want to know what goes on behind the camera. So that's why I studied film. And I just feel like Julia Roberts is one of the people that made me fall in love with film. And so, iconic moment. Chandra, <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, I, it's so amazing how, like, when you're young, those certain things, you just see it on TV and you're like, that's it. That's, that's it. That's it. I can't I tell you how many times. kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also very impressionable sometimes. Like, especially as a kid, I was super impressionable. Like... Oh, Anything I saw, I was like, I want that. <laughs> yeah. And they look so cool up there, glamorous. Of mm -hmm. course you want to be her. You're like, yes, uh, I want to wear the big dresses and get the yeah. awards. <laughs> like have people like clap and just like have George Clooney give me double cheek kisses. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you, Mercedes? What were you so, doing? <laughs> I was a year and a half. I was a literal baby. Um, <laughs> but I am a major Julia Roberts fan because of my mom. But this is actually not one of my mom's favorite Julia Roberts movies. So I didn't really watch it as often as like stepmom. Like I was the kid. I was the kid mm -hmm. in preschool bringing the VHS of stepmom to to daycare. Yeah. Like that was me. I was like, let's watch this. Everyone's like, that's not appropriate. <laughs> but there it was. And yeah, so I loved it. So I think for this movie, I watched it in bits and pieces on on TV, like just any time mm -hmm. that it would play. But I wasn't really watching it like on my own, like I do with a lot of other Julia Roberts movies or just like any other rom-com. But mm -hmm. then I do remember like the most the, like the most memorable time I watched it was on a plane. I was like 20 or 21. Mm -hmm. And I was sobbing so hard at this oh movie. <laughs> like, and I don't know. I think the plane movies really get you because you're just like in a capsule. Oh, yeah. Like you have nothing else. And this was a long flight. I think this was mm -hmm. like from London or something. So I'm on there for like 10 hours. And then I was sobbing that the person next to me was like, are you OK? Like, are you going to be OK? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> it, was, it was hidden. It was hitting hard. That's and so I really fell in love with it then. Yeah. You know what? OK, I think it's being on airplane. You're just like encompassed yes. in your emotions because I watched the movie Gifted with Chris Evans on a plane. Oh, my I God. Yeah. Bawled my eyes out the entire time. And I don't even, I don't even know if it's really that emotional of a movie or if I was just my emotions were heightened because I was like 30,000 feet in the air. I was exactly. bawling. The people next to me were like, what is? And I don't like really <laughs> cry at movies like that. So it's it's a, it's a whole thing. It leaves an impact on you. It really does. <laughs> it does. All the airplane movies are so memorable. Mm -hmm. They really are. I, I feel like, okay, even though I don't remember like when I first saw this movie, I do remember being five, which was the age of this movie came out, because I was either in preschool or about to enter first grade. If I was in preschool, I was having a ball, Mercedes. Literally, all Ooh. we did, I went to a, I went to a, like a Methodist preschool. All we did was sing songs, play outside, and nap. 
Oh, we literally, that's all we did. And then my dad would come pick me up at like 12 p.m. <laughs> and take me to Burger King. And this is, this is very weird, but this, I remember the very first time I had a hamburger. And it was around this time because I was so scared of it. I thought it was so big and I, it couldn't fit in my mouth. That's what she said. And I was very, very scared of it. <laughs> Not when you're telling a story about young you. <laughs> and I feel like... <laughs> I have a terrible sense of humor. I remember my dad suggesting that I get ketchup on it because at that time I put ketchup on everything and I did that literally well into my 20s. And still to this day, uh, ketchup is the only thing I get on my hamburgers. The only, you don't get like a cheeseburger or anything? No, I just, I just get ketchup and, and onions sometimes too. But yeah, I, because of that moment, I still only get, I don't ever get like pickles wow. or mustard or lettuce, nothing. Just, just ketchup and onions. Wow. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm like thrown. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember anything from this time period? I mean, obviously not because you're one and a half, but I'm curious if your parents ever told you stories of like how you were during then. <laughs> I, I mean, all my stories were like, Mercedes's first word was no. <laughs> like You knew like, <laughs> my attitude at a very young age. Yeah, they knew <laughs> you were going to be like, sass. No. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love but that. yeah, I don't remember a lot. But I will say, every time I rewatch this movie, my crush is on Dermot Mulroney just grows and grows and grows. Yes. And then oh. I have to rewatch season one of New Girl because he plays this Dilf, and you're like, "Hello, fancy mm. man, I yeah. love you." <laughs> He's still yeah. looks good, <sighs> but he was yeah. I love I love the wedding date. That's my favorite Dermot Mulroney. Mm. That's a he good was- one. It's so good. I just, I, there's a scene where he like holds Deborah Messing, and I just love the way that he's holding her. It's so sweet. All right, guys, we're going to skip on over to the Rob Cobb Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, but we have to talk about a Rose Mercedes. I know you love this movie. If you haven't picked it up yet, listeners, I do not. And so I feel like we got <laughs> quite a few things to Rose, and I just want to, I just want to say, first of all, this whole movie is kind of a Rose for me. Um, the fact that <laughs> Jules is so manipulative and conniving for no freaking reason, essentially. Like, if I was Kim, I would have punched her in her perfect nose. And you know, Julie Roberts has a perfect face. I would have punched her in her perfect face. Yeah. I just feel like she had, what was it, eight or nine years to say something and just never did. And now that someone has finally found happiness, she's like, I'm going to ruin it for my own personal gain. And I just felt like that was really selfish. And if I was Michael... I don't know if I would have been as forgiving as he was. I just feel like, how do you, when you're in a friendship, how do you come back from something like that? And I'm actually asking you, is like, as, like, when you're in a friendship and, like, someone tries to completely ruin your happiness, how do you come back from that? I mean, my take on them is that they are just in love. Like, they are in love, and even though he married Kimmy, he's in love. And so, I don't know, I, like, I definitely wouldn't come back from it. I. I don't think I'd ever put myself in that position, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, you look at the character of Jules, and I feel like I know myself well enough to be like, I would never do something like that. But also, I look at Kimmy, and I'm like, I also think I would never be as naive as she was. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. She's twenty, mm-hmm. and I mean, Julia Roberts is just supposed to be the villain, and that's what makes yeah. this movie so juicy for me mm-hmm. is that she is the villain. But I have a lot. I have a lot of roasts too. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Let's hear it. Well, the first one, I mean, obviously, to everyone out there, if you if you can watch the movie, so white. So white. <laughs> Not white, just, it's white. <laughs> just, like, when they're all singing, I love the, I love when they break out into song, but you're looking at that restaurant, and I'm like, hello? 
Yep. Anyone? <laughs> anyone this around? Chicago. This is Chicago, dude. What are you doing? Exactly. That's what happened. That's what, like, like Chicago, I think, plays its own character in this movie, too, because they're mm-hmm. running around the city. And I love I love a movie that does that and, like, plays mm-hmm. with the city. But when you're in a big city like this, like, come on. Like, yeah. let's really be honest with ourselves and, like, be realistic of, like, if we're going to portray a city, let's portray a city. Yeah, exactly. You know? You're 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. That's my major roast. I feel you. Okay, another one I have. So we all know that scene where Jules tells Michael that her and George are engaged. And yeah. I just feel like forcing your gay friend to quote unquote act straight is just so cringe. Especially like that's such a that's such a detriment to someone's mental health, especially if they've been in the closet for a long time and they've just like recently come out, which I don't know George's story. But just like he's, forcing he's like in a serious relationship in this. Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't I didn't remember that. But I just feel like forcing someone to 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 act against who they are is just very, oh, yeah. very cringe. Very cringe. <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I mean, this movie does play with like the stereotype of the gay best friend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do, do you feel like it started that trope though, or no? Had we I think it? that I think we've probably seen that before. Okay. And I don't think it elevated it, but it certainly didn't, like, it wasn't revolutionary in the way that George was portrayed. But we do see, like, some glimpses into his life, so he's not just, like, a caricature for Jules, which I appreciate. Like, we see him at that book reading when he's on the phone. We see him at, like, a dinner with other people. So we see that he has, like, a life that's not just Jules, which I like because the worst is when you see the, like, marginalized best friend as just, like, the voice of reason for the main white lead yeah 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 i hear you i hear you on that other wrist you got another yeah i mean (laughs) i think like another critique i have is really just about the characters across the board we have amazing performances like obviously these core four actors make this movie like without them and their talents this would not this would have been a flop i think um but i would love to see the details of these characters more like why do jules and kimmy love michael besides the fact that he is dermot mulroney like why why do they love him like anytime that michael's about to like end it with kimmy kimmy's like crying on her hands and knees for him and i'm like what is that what is really the draw here like i i understand these characters have great chemistry and that's all in the acting really for this movie and i would love to have seen what these characters were on paper Mm. and like the depth because the depth really is through the actors not really through like the actual making of these characters and their arc you know you are so observant mercedes and i'm always (laughs) impressed by how you dissect the movies that we talk about because that is so true and I did that didn't even cross my mind that is so true like I think about all the things that Michael said and his actions and it was really like I wasn't even listening to his words I was just staring at his face like that's why I love him as a character exactly because he's very good looking but yeah there's really no I mean maybe they find it admirable that he's really passionate about a career that doesn't pay him a lot of money it could be admirable it could also be a cop-out too so I mean there (laughs) there are I feel like there are things that we could that we could nitpick, but you are absolutely right. And I think that's really interesting. And, you know, when we're talking about the characters and just like lack of depth, I think of I think of Kim because she is so naive. But I also feel like a roast for me is just asking a complete stranger to be your maid of honor. Like, why oh, yeah. don't you have friends, Kim? And I just yes. feel like people who get married who don't have any friends, like that's a huge red flag. I couldn't marry someone who just doesn't have any friends. It's like it's just we're we're the you spend all of your time I, I wouldn't with me. do it either. Like yeah. you need a full life outside mm-hmm. of your partner. 100%. And also too, having a life outside of your partner gives you like just depth as a person. How do I get to know you 
intimately and deeper if you don't have anything in your life. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And she's so young. Also, like, I don't know. I'm a firm believer in, like, don't get married until the frontal lobe in your brain is fully developed. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what age is that? Wait, what age 25. is 25. 25. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> she's so young. And I know Jules is a pick-me girl. Like, she literally says, pick me, choose me. I know yeah. that. But, and, like... I think that's something to love about her because it's so heart-wrenching and honest and she's finally being honest. And uh, this is this is less a roast. I mean, the roast is that Jules is a pick-me girl, but really, like, <laughs> I this is more of a love, too, because I love that Kimmy, even though she's young, she's never the ditzy fiancé and she's never the evil fiancé. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, exactly. like, when you're going into it, you're, like, expected to root for Julia Roberts as, like, okay, we're going to get this guy back. Like, he's with a bad girl. You're, like, ready to go at the beginning. You're, like, this is a 90s movie. I know what to do. We're going to villainize another woman. <laughs> and then you get into it. <laughs> exactly. And then you get there and you're, like, oh, no, I know who the villain is. It's Julia Roberts. And, like, I just love that Kimmy, she's naive and she's young, but she's dynamic and... I just like really appreciate that it's so different than so many others. And this movie does not let the leads off the hook for infidelity and like Mm -hmm. the crazy wild antics just for love. Like, oh, do it for love. It's like, no, actually chasing somebody around a city and kissing them at their on their wedding day is actually not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) And like and it brings humanity back to Kimmy's character. And she's not just the fiance, and we don't just let everyone off the hook for being like, oh, well, it wasn't the right person. So even though it's your wedding day, bye. You know. You know what's so funny, Marissa? Is like we obviously love rom coms and we appreciate yeah the art behind them so much, but they do kind of enable bad behavior sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's why you know I like this movie for that reason. That okay, it's not it's not justified in the end. Like you don't get everything that you want in the end. But also it's just the fact that it happened. It allowed it to happen in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what really gets me. I feel like there are a lot of like cringe moments like that in, in rom-coms that just like a- allow bad behavior. Like the yeah. whole, you know, a-, a lot of it has to do with like infidelity or like even like waiting last minute or just like never telling someone how you feel and mm-hmm. all of these things. But Or yeah, telling I people feel like... to stay when they want to leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like, you know, as as people who love rom-coms, we are able to critique in this way because when you love something, you want you want the best for it and you want it to be better. Um, exactly. I feel like that's the that's the direction we're moving in the future. <laughs> yeah. And like we can hold two thoughts at once. We're human. Like yeah. we can love something and also see the problems with it, especially because a lot of these movies are like decades older than us. Yep. You know? <laughs> All right. Speaking of Kimmy, she uh, she does not have one of my favorite quotes, but one of my favorite quotes was inspired by her in this movie. So it's a scene where uh, Michael and Jules are on the ferry, and he says... Kimmy says, if you love someone, you say it. You say it right then, out loud. Otherwise, the moment just... to me sobbing right (laughs) i cry and then you know when it pans to the rest of the people on the ferry and it's those two little girls watching them dance oh i'm sick i'm sick in the head for how much i love this movie yeah if anything was gonna happen it was gonna be in that scene exactly it it happened so i feel like that kind of 
let us it was a very it was a big tell for how the rest of the film was gonna cowards be. they're yeah. all cowards <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite quote i have two favorite quotes my first one is the cousins who are the other bridesmaids when julia roberts makes her klutzy entrance into their like banquet luncheon or whatever and he, she's falling out the elevator and they're like oh god it's the bride and the woman she'll never live up to <laughs> hello <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, you're like, whoa. And they just say it out loud and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they did just say that. What? <laughs> Crazy. And I, I love that line because I was like, wow, that really like speaks to the whole movie. Yep. And then my other favorite line is, I didn't have to hate her, I'd adore her. Which is what Jewel says about Kimmy. And I think that just speaks to this movie because she, she sees how good Kimmy is as a person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's really good. Like, she doesn't just hate her to hate her. Like, she hates her because she's like, you're with the man I want. But she's yeah. also, like, so frustrated because she knows that she's she's a good one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so the, the age-old question, Mercedes, here. Would you, if this, okay, if this movie popped up on your Tinder feed, would you swipe left or would you swipe right? I'm swiping right forever. This movie challenges the rom-com genre audience, and audience expectations. It's revolutionary to me. You have the rom-com leading lady of the 90s not get the guy, and instead she's flawed and conniving, and you still empathize with her at the end. Like, you still feel her hurt and just unrequitedness. And after being vulnerable and you see her, like, jump through these hoops and you see her be clumsy and, like, the sing-songs of, like, the classic rom-com tropes, but... I don't know. It doesn't celebrate Jules's behavior or reward it. All of her antics backfire. Nothing works for her. And we know she's the villain. Michael's also the villain. He is. Like, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't take a ring off that finger and <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't know. I just love that this movie ends with such an unexpected finale, you know, for Michael and Jules. And it ends, like I've said, I just, with Jules and her, like, biggest friendship love, which is George. And that's so relatable. And I think it also, like, her fears of rejection are actualized. So we see her character arc. She finally lets herself be. And she's fun, and she's okay. She's coping and she's hurt, but she's alive, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people should look at for being vulnerable especially me, <laughs> like, you're going to be okay. <laughs> and then, it, like, it ends with just dancing with her bestie, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I'm going to swipe right. <laughs> oh, all right. So, 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 you know, I love you, Mercedes. You know, you're my <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, but that's okay. I'm swiping yeah. left on this movie just because we all know I have a hard time disassociating characters with actors and, like, myself and, and characters and all yeah. this stuff. But I think that's why I love movies so much. I love rom-coms so much is because I'm able to put myself in the shoes of these people. And I just feel like if I'm putting myself in Kim's shoes because I know myself and I know my character, I just could never... I could never do what Jules did, and I could never stand for it if I was Kim. Even if this is my best friend marrying the love of my life, Dermot Kennedy, I just... I would feel some type of way. And I just... I would feel so betrayed and so angry. And I don't even know if I would move forward with my wedding, to be honest, because all trust is kind of out the window. And I think the biggest pet peeve of mine in this movie is just the timing. Yeah. It's all, it's all just the timing. If Jules did exactly what she did, like tried to get Michael before he was like, hey, I'm happy and I'm getting married and this is what's happening in my life, would have been totally fine. But it's just 
why now after all this time? And that's something that I just cannot let go of on my heart. So I'm swiping left on this movie. (laughs) (laughs) If you, sorry, but do you think if you related to any character, it'd be like George because he's such a good friend? Hmm. No. Because while I feel like George grounded her, I don't feel like he actually ever prevented her to the lengths that I feel like I would go if my friend was trying to do this, you know? I don't know. He tells her. He tells her when he's leaving for the airport, he's like, he's going to choose Kimmy Mm -hmm. and you're going to be the maid of honor and then you're going to go home alone. Yeah. And I think like he tells us the rest of the movie. And I think that's so crazy because so many people graze over it and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just like in the be- like all of the phone calls in the beginning and just hear her even going out and all this, all that stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because like you, you love the people in your life who are your friends, they're your friends for a reason. Like you love them. Mm-hmm. They they mesh onto your life. But I just don't. I also don't know if I have any friends who would do this too. <laughs> like, that's a whole <laughs> other thing, right? It's like the character yeah. of my friends and who I choose to surround myself with. Do I surround myself with people who would like try so hard to ruin someone else's happiness? I don't I don't know if if I have friends like that. It's hard for me, Mercedes. It's a good question, but it's hard for me to to understand, to really, to really get deep, deep down there. But I think this is a perfect segue for couples therapy where we can talk about how the characters can improve their relationships and improve themselves. And so I'd love to hear what you have to say first, Mercedes, because I, I yeah, <laughs> my whole thing with this movie is that like, and I'll say it over and over again, this movie proves that love just isn't enough sometimes mm-hmm. and it can't be enough because in romantic relationships, they're complicated and you need to be brave and you need to be honest and you need to be vulnerable. And Jules and Michael are two cowards who are in love and scared to say it. And neither of them are brave and they're like, they're just not brave enough to say it. So they fail, you know, and the moment passes them by, just like on the ferry. And like, of course it does, because they're afraid to say it. And Jules would rather cause destruction than admit her feelings even to herself. And George really has to like ask her the question, like, do you really love him or is this just about winning? And really calls her out for that. And I love that because he's telling her like, you're afraid of being vulnerable and being honest. And he tells her that it won't end in her favor and she's so selfish and self-sabotaging but she's also so charming and I know she's an anti-hero and that's the whole point of this I just and I love seeing her raw emotions by the end when she finally opens up like at the gazebo I don't know like it's the moment you like don't want to happen for Kimmy's sake but then you do want it to happen because you're like just say what you need to say and like come on get it over with already yeah and like you should have acted sooner like she should have like you said like the timing is so frustrating and like that's the whole point of her failure here it's like you should have said this years ago if you felt it you know and I think I'm glad that she doesn't win she doesn't win in the end you know so Mm -hmm. and that makes me happy like I think seeing her failure is just such an honest depiction of what would happen if this was going to happen Mm-hmm. Michael's fear of being heartbroken is probably the most frustrating thing about him. Like he wants to be loved and he wants to be chosen and he wants to be wanted. And he finds all those things in Kimmy because she's young and she really has him on a pedestal the way that he has Jules on a pedestal. I don't think he's in love with her. I think he has love for her because Kimmy doesn't challenge Michael in any real way. Like she's yeah. so young and she doesn't really know what she wants either. Like she's still in college. And it's dropping out of college for him. And and she's non-threatening. And even though she's endearing, like, I mean, he gets away with a lot of stuff because of her. And anytime things go wrong, they don't even talk to each other. 
Like, what is that? They have Jules be a moderator at that dinner. She's crying and then they hug it out. And then like, even at the wedding venue, Jules is walking back and forth between them being like, I'm Jello, you're creme brulee. Like, no one's actually having like a real conversation. And then Michael doesn't even do anything until Kimmy's like, we'll do whatever you want, you know? That's so frustrating. There's there's a lot to it back there. <laughs> yes, there's so much. That's why these characters are just so dynamic that I could go on and on. I mean, my it's not even really couples there. Like I'm not giving them any tips. I'm just yeah. like these are the things you're doing wrong. <laughs> okay, I will give them some tips then. I think both characters have a lot of maturing to do before committing to anyone, let alone themselves. Like even yeah. Michael and Jules before committing to themselves, they have a lot of maturing to do. So have you seen that list of like 100 questions that you're meant to ask your partner before you get married? Have you ever seen that? Yeah. I read those all the time. Not because I'm about to get married or I even have a partner, (laughs) but just because I think those questions are very uh, important. They're very intriguing. And I think they're very stimulating as well. And I just know that Michael and Kimmy did not talk about a single one of the questions on that list like do those, do those questions scare you when you mm. read that like when i read some of them i'm like no absolutely not <laughs> no no they they don't because i actually so there's this book that i've read like three times now called loving your husband before you even have one and it kind of goes over all of those and i read that book with my ex and so we did talk about oh, wow. pretty much all of those questions that were on that list and i think it's scary if you just if you just don't know the answer yeah but i mean I've had time to think, so <laughs> I do, but I get it. Those some of those questions are very intimidating, but I do also feel like they're intimidating because they are they are meant to help you set the foundation for building a whole mm-hmm. life together for longevity, which is what you know. I think the end result that people want in marriage most of the time, and I feel like if you read those questions, they require just a modicum of self awareness, which I feel like no one has in this movie. And Jules especially. I don't think she could give you an honest answer for why she's behaving the way that she is. So let's say she gets Michael in the end, right? Then what? Like, what happens? Because it just seems like Jules is the exact opposite of what he wants in a relationship. And it just, for a relationship to work, it requires time, it requires compromise, and it requires sacrifice. Which, even with Michael's job, he's kind of made clear that he's not willing to do. Like, he's not willing... Mm -hmm. To compromise or sacrifice. And then, like, Kimmy leaving her senior year of college, which is arguably the best year of college, like, <laughs> just for, for a guy, like, crazy. And, 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 and no offense to Michael or anything, I admire his passion or his job, but like, you're leaving college for a guy who can't even financially support you and, and take care of you. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just so much ignorance that you can just, you can miss me with all of that. I, I just, there's so much maturing that needs to happen for all of these characters. And I don't know if we ever if we ever get that. I don't yeah. know if we ever get that. And we so, need honesty from them. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like they, no one is really being true to themselves or to the people that they care about. Mm-hmm. And like also the fact that Michael waits three days before his wedding to tell Jules he's engaged. That's not that's not the move. That is villain. That's villain behavior. That is villain behavior. And all the comments when they're when she's getting um the dress, the maid of honor dress, and he's like, "Oh, you look good." When she's just like in her underwear, and I'm like, so "You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing." And knock it off. And then I'll say it again: the ring, taking off the ring, the ring you're giving to another woman off another woman's finger with your mouth. Is villain behavior. Mercedes, 
the I, chemistry. I, oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> I just want to say when he when he did that. So obviously, if we're talking about love languages, I think Michael's is physical touch because when he oh, takes his mouth with his with his mouth, I thought I was pregnant. I literally, I literally thought I was pregnant. It That's like, the best, best response. <laughs> best one. It's so, it's so intimate. It's so sexy. Like the way that he's just maintaining eye contact with her the whole time. I couldn't. I, I was, I had to look away. I was like, I can't handle this right now. Like at that point, they hadn't even, like that, the fact that they had more chemistry there than in the kiss. Mm-hmm. Like that, like that just shows like the pull and just like yeah. the gravitation they have to each other. Like they really are magnets. I totally yeah. agree with you. Like physical touches all michael and like they oh my god it's so beautiful yeah it is very beautiful but i feel like for for jules uh her love language like how she gives it as through acts of service like i just think of this movie is just a whole is a whole story of everything that she does like physically to to try to get him back and if that does not scream acts of service i don't know what does (laughs) definitely I also think that she's a little bit of uh, words of affirmation once she gets to a vulnerable spot. Like, because even the way, like, at the base in the baseball bathroom, when her and Kimmy are finally having it out, she mm-hmm. tells her and, like, is honest, like, really honest with her. And she's finally, like, okay. And even, like, yeah, once she's able to, like, express herself with her words, she knows what to say and she knows how to say the right thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Oh. <sighs> But as we know, in the end, it's Michael and Kimmy who end up together. So if we're thinking about longevity, do you feel like Michael and Kimmy last in five years? No. Oh, wait. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I say yes, but I don't think they last much longer than 10 years. I think okay. 10 years is their max. Kimmy will grow to resent Michael and all the things she gave up. And she'll grow into herself and be like, no, we need to stop this. We need to make a change here. And, you know, on the ferry, when Jules is joking about their like twice a year affairs they'll have once he's married. I feel like that's actually a prophecy. Like in my head, they are their story is not over yet. And Michael and Jules will get together at some point. Like there's just too much love there and it can't come at that moment obviously it's just like the timing thing and i i don't know if it's healthy love there but i think there's love there you yeah. know what i mean and i think they might come together after like a mutual divorce of kimmy and michael or might these some of those like twice a year affairs but i just think he is he's in love with jules and jules is clearly in love with him and i know jules is flaky and that's why michael like won't like be with her now like she's flaky in love she's not reliable she's emotional uh, emotionally avoidant Mm-hmm. And he, his biggest fear is, like, really trusting somebody who's not going to be reliable for him. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I think after, like, a little more emotional development, they could get there. Yep. Maturity. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I agree with you, though. I don't think that Kimmy and Michael last, like, longer than 10 years. I just yeah. feel like they have, they do have the type of marriage that where they get divorced in their 40s. And especially yeah. if we're considering the time of the sick place, like, in the 90s, right? I feel like that was silly early. You're like, no, we're just going to stay They'd here. be getting divorced, like, right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I just don't feel like either of them are equipped with the tools needed for marriage. And they won't find that out until way later, yeah. unfortunately. But it is something that everyone must find out. Like, do you have the tools equipped for to make a marriage work? Because it does require a lot. But... Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. 
I want to talk about Heartthrob now because mm-hmm. there are there aren't a ton of there aren't a ton of options in here. But I'm just saying, I mean, have you seen Dermot Maroney's face? I just want to I just want to make sure we're watching the same movie. Have you seen his face? Yeah. Because it is perfect. It's absolutely beautiful. And mm-hmm. I just feel like when he opens his mouth, like sexiness just drips out. And I just want him to whisper sweet, sexy little nothings in my ear. And I'm going to try to keep it PG for our listeners. But Dermot Maroney is, like I said in the beginning, he's the object of every one of my desires. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. He is just something beyond human. <laughs> like, truly, I, I adore him. I think I would take home George, though. I think he's a great friend. And I've said it over, like, I am, like, George's biggest fan in this, I think. Because I think he's, like, the only character who has, like, reason. (laughs) And, I don't know, he's there for her when she's plummeled by, like, her mishandled actions and after vulnerability. And he has, like, that amazing, like, 90s floppy hair that I just simply adore. (laughs) So he's gorgeous. He'd be a great wedding date. Yeah. Um. And he's a scene stealer, you know? He's a heart stealer, too. And, I mean, Dermot Mulroney, wow, wow, wow. But, George, if I'm, like, really talking about characters here, mm-hmm. like, I'd have to, I'd be like, George, you and, my, you and me, besties. Yeah. Well, this is perfect, then, because we're about to play Mary Smooch Ghost. <laughs> we just want to talk about who we're going to marry, who we smooch, and who we ghost in the stove. So here are our three contenders. We have Michael, George, and then Paul Giamatti, who plays a bellman who smokes <laughs> with jewels in the hall. And this it's so funny because I feel like this is Paul Giamatti before Paul Giamatti. So yes. uh, <laughs> who would you marry? Who would you smooch? And who would you ghost? I'm marrying Michael, smooching mm. George, and ghosting Paul Giamatti. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we are in alignment there, Mercedes. Yes. I, I love when that happens. I love when that happens, too. Because it's very Especially rare. in a movie, a movie like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100 percent all right guys before we wrap it up we always love to just bring in a pop culture moment so it's actually funny because i was researching i like to just google people randomly same and julia roberts has like so many properties like houses around the world and she said that her favorite is her ranch in new mexico and i thought of you mercedes because you're you're in new mexico she said that's the place where she feels most herself and i thought that was very sweet yes it's in taos I oh you know where yeah. it is <laughs> <laughs> trust any celebrity who's connected to New Mexico at all every New Mexican is like they're they went to middle school here they they did something here like we we all know mm-hmm. so we all know Julie Roberts lives in Taos let's hit her up maybe she'll come on the pod yeah oh I love that <laughs> imagine <laughs> oh my goodness so there was actually a TikTok that went viral recently about this mm-hmm. guy talking about how iconic the intro of this movie is even though it's so unrelated to yeah. anything in the movie. And it's so true. Like, I love it. And I sing along and I do a little dance and I pretend I'm one of the girls twirling <laughs> around. And it's so amazing. And I just, I love that it's still getting love mm-hmm. now, not just from us, but people on TikTok that like yeah. are like, yes, it's so good. And then people being like, what's this movie? I need to watch it. It's fun. TikTok has a way of, of reviving old things it's, Definitely. it's very funny i have another one and if it's just everybody out there if you're ever on youtube and you need a fun silly interview to watch watch the dermot julia wired interview it's amazing it's hilarious you see how good their friendship is and just how much they care about each other and this came out i think like four years ago or something so they're on like a 20 plus year friendship because it started on this movie so I just think that's so beautiful. And I don't know. I just I love I love them as a duo. Yeah, they are. They are pretty special and they are pretty epic. I love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but listeners, we want to hear your thoughts. What do you think of this movie? Do you feel like Jules is the anti-hero? Do you root for this movie? Do Michael and Kimmy last in five years? Let us know your thoughts. Slide into our DMs at MeetCute. Again, I'm Kendra. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Ken10Hollywood. Yes, and I'm Mercedes. You can find me at MercedesGV11 on Twitter, IG, and TikTok. And if you're looking for new rom-coms, follow Meet Cute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Meet Cute on socials everywhere. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.